Anyways, okay. Um, and again, you can show your cameras because it's not uh, if if your camera is working because this is not a um, this is not a uh, nobody would see your face even if I do post it. But again, I'm not I'm not sure yet. But I guess what I'm going to start with: what do you know about Natanya? Which is why I'd be interested in coming. So, is that a curiosity? It's a um, mystical work by uh, the Alter Rebbe. Okay, mystical work by the Alter Rebbe. No, I don't need to say. Okay. To yeah, yeah. Larry, how about you? What do you know about the Tanya? It's a guide. Um, it's a guide on how to live. Philosophical, and I think it's also psychological. Mm -hmm. um, within the context of Hasidim, what their beliefs are. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty good. How to. A guide on how to live. It goes in psychology and philosophy. philosophy and gives you a guide on how to live. That's uh, that's pretty good. So let's start with a little bit of history. If you have the actual book, you could see some of this in, in the translator's introduction. But a little bit of history to the book of Tanya, because history, putting something in the historical context, always helps us appreciate it more. And again, if you have the actual book, the uh, Practical Tanya, you'll find it in the translator's introduction, which is all at the beginning. So Hasidism obviously started with the Baal Shem Tov. And um, the Baal Shem Tov, uh, however, uh, he, he created this very large movement, uh, started the Hasidic way of life. And uh, his student was the Magad of Mezrich. The Magad of Mezrich was born in the year 1704. And he passed away in the year 1772. And as you can imagine, the Magad of Mezrich was in Mezrich. Now, the Magad of Mezrich was only a Rebbe for about 11, 12 years till his passing. Now, both during the times of the Baal Shem Tov and the Magad of Mezrich, there was, um, there was a, um, both during the times of the, of, of the uh, both during the times of the Baal Shem Tov and the Magad of Mezrich, there was a lot of criticism of the Hasidic movement. A lot, a lot of criticism. Just one second. Somebody's looking for my class. They came to the show. So I got to tell them it's at my house. Okay. Okay. There, there was a lot of criticism of the Hasidic movement. And when the Magad of Mezrich passed away, they split up all of the Hasidic Rebbes, all of the students of the Magad of Mezrich split up to different regions of Poland and Ukraine and Russia. And each one of the Hasidic Rebbes had their own area and they were able to teach Hasidus in their own way. So even though there was a general Hasidic way of life and a general Hasidic lifestyle, but each Hasidic Rebbe had his own way of teaching it and they were allowed to teach it in their own way. And so the Alter Rebbe, uh, also known as Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, um, he got his own area in uh, Belarus and he started teaching Hasidic philosophy in his very specific way in what became later known as Chabad Hasidus. So a lot of people get confused very time. You know, I hear all the time people tell me, oh, I saw people like you up in New York. They may be Hasidic Jews. They might not be Chabad. Chabad. They're different sects. Yeah, there are different sects of Hasidism. And Chabad is both people know today the movement of Chabad, the outreach movement, but Chabad is first and foremost a philosophy. In fact, that's what the word Chabad means. Chabad stands for Chokhmah Bina Dat, which means um, wisdom, uh, understanding, knowledge. and knowledge. And there's always, I don't know, the translation is always if people flip it all the time because it's English words. Wisdom, uh, when you explain, you understand. Wisdom, wisdom understanding, and knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge is one way of, of saying it. So anyway, so the Alter Rebbe is the one that started Chabad Hasidus. And what Chabad Hasidus means in a nutshell is a lot of the Hasidic teachings, um, a lot of it was a, a lifestyle and a lot of it was centralized around uh, the inspiration of the spiritual leader, the Rebbe, in any, in any specific group. So you, in any group, 
you always had the more elevated people, the very smart people who obviously would study the mysticism with their Rebbe, with their teacher. And then you had others who would not study too much in depth, you know, um, but would live the Hasidic lifestyle of joy and happiness and, and uh, you know, certain customs and things. And the Alter Rebbe was a big proponent that um, each and every single person has to work on their own through the studying Hasidic works um, and incorporate those ideas into their own lives. And in order to do that, he had to create a lexicon and a language that was available even for the layman. In other words, if he wanted Hasidic ideas, the teachings, to be available for everybody, not just the very wise people, he had to develop it at length so that anybody could understand it. So it wasn't just for the most wise people, yes. But the reason why Hasidim started in the beginning, yes, in the beginning, even before this, was because only the educated Jews were learning and Hasidim was supposedly for everybody. Is that correct? Yeah, one of the reasons the Hasidic movement, right, one of the reasons the Hasidic movement in general started was to give life to the simple Jews, so to speak. Right. What used to be called a simple Jew was a Jew who, let's say, was very religious, but had to leave for work at age seven or eight. You know, they couldn't be in school anymore because they had to help their parents. So there were a lot, back in the day, there were a lot of simple Jews. And then there were the scholarly Jews, and there was this big divide. And um, it was very hard on the simple Jews. And so the Baal Shem Tov gave life to everybody. But he also had, you know, general ideas, joy. I gave a class earlier on this year called Inside Out, um, really explaining a lot of the differences. But I'm, I'm really getting to mostly the Hasid, Chabad Hasidists. What was special about Chabad is taking the Hasidic ideas and explaining them at length for everybody. And um, so, so the, the sheer length of his Hasidic teachings of the altar of his Hasidic teachings were much longer than many of the other teachings. So for example, there's a book by the Baal Shem Tov called Keser Shem Tov, the, the Baal Shem Tov's teachings. All of them are very concise readings. So the scholar could understand the concise reading, but the layman, it sounds nice, but you don't get the depth of it. And so Chabad Hasidus was all about getting the depth of everything. And so he started teaching that. And as we mentioned on Shabbat, eventually he was imprisoned and we, Spiritually, we understand he was imprisoned for this new idea of teaching. In other words, whenever something new comes to the world, uh, the forces of impurity don't like it because it'll make their job that much harder, right? If people can study Hasidic ideas and enhance their lives, it makes capturing them for sin a lot harder. So he understood that uh, there was uh, a decree against him teaching these ideas in public. But eventually he got out of prison and then he started teaching his Hasidic ideas more at length. And so when you study Actually, the Alter Rebbe's teachings of Chabad Hasidic philosophy after he left prison, they're very long. So where does all this lead to? All this leads to the Tanya. So as a Hasidic leader who is trying to teach Hasidic ideas to everybody, not just a select group of students, right? When you're teaching a select group of students, it's very easy. He was trying to teach everybody. Now, suddenly, he had a very busy, busy job because now everybody's coming to him for advice, spiritual advice, you know? They're they're all coming to him, talking to him about their spiritual lifestyle and how they're trying to win over their yates or other evil inclination, which we'll talk more at length. And uh, he what he found was he was starting to have these repetitious discussions with people. This was the days before you could record yourself, right? And uh, so he he was guiding people in their spiritual life. And again, because of his method of teaching, many, many more people were coming to him for spiritual guidance because he his idea was everybody should live this lifestyle and study these concepts. And so eventually it was too much for him. And so what he decided to do was take the ideas and the guidance that he was teaching people. Um, uh, he decided to take the... Uh, um, he decided to take the guidance and the teachings that he was teaching people in private and print them on paper. And so that is where the Tanya comes from. The Tanya is the collection um, of advice that he was trying to teach people in order to live a more spiritual and meaningful life, the life that he wanted them to live. And so the Tanya includes in it both the gen So the Tanya actually has throughout its discourse Sometimes troubleshooting, like 
this is the spiritual lifestyle you should live. What if it's not working? You know, here are things you can do. It contains a lot of different advice on um, specific issues that people may arise. So again, he has a general viewpoint. This is what living a Jewish life means, according to Hasidism. And uh, in other words, what it means to live as a Jew. And then from there, he jumps onto a lot of issues that may happen throughout your time. One more thing to understand is that when he wrote this book, he was writing not just for um, the everyday layman, but he was also writing it for scholars. And so this is where the Tanya can sometimes be complicated for people. And that is that, um, um, and that is that a lot of times he's trying to prove his points. The Tanya, he's trying to prove his points. And so what that means is that um, if he's saying a certain specific idea about living a spiritual lifestyle, he's going to prove his point from different sections of the Talmud, different sections of the Medrash, different sections of wherever it is. And that's where it can be confusing for the layman of today, right? In other words, we're not used to these texts. And so he's throwing at me a text and proving a point. And that's where Tanya can get confusing. And so we have to always keep in mind the goal is and the purpose of the Tanya is to teach us how to live the Jewish life. So yes, in the beginning it develops and it starts off very heavy on text because he's trying to prove what he's saying. But remember, that's not the goal. The goal is not to get, the goal of the Tanya is not to have a discourse and, and understand sections of Talmud. The goal of Tanya is to teach you how to live the Jewish lifestyle. And as Larry said earlier, based on uh, Hasidic philosophy and psychology, and uh, and mysticism, how to live your best Jewish life with meaning and purpose. Um, so I, I'm putting that out there so that when you see the heavy discourse, remember that's uh, we're going to try and mitigate that. But remember that's not the purpose of the Tanya. And if you know you don't connect with the how are you proving it from the Talmud, that's not a big deal. And we, he doesn't actually spend a lot of time on it, mostly only in the beginning. But the rest of the time, he um, goes full full force. Uh, and it's really developed. It's 53 chapters, um, very much developed ideas. And when you actually get your copy of the Practical Tanya, he even uh, has a nice graph in the beginning, which tells you kind of the map of the Tanya. Um, it's probably backwards in the camera, but he splits it up in these sections. There's the introduction to the Tanya. He gives an introduction about why he's writing this book. Then there's the basics. In other words, the basics of, I wouldn't say human anatomy, but the basics of spiritual human anatomy, your animal soul, your godly soul. Then he discusses, once we understand your anatomy, we're going to discuss your inner struggle. And then he gets into how can you access your godly soul? And he spends many chapters on that. Then he discusses negative emotions because that's troubleshooting. He discusses positive emotions that you should have. Then towards the end, he discusses the power of action. The power of kavana, meaning in spiritual intention, reverence and love, and the shekhinah. So it's it's a beautiful buildup, and there's a there's a map to it. And again, I highly advise buying uh, the practical Tanya because this is going to be a text based uh, class. If we were going to give a course on the Tanya, you know, you could give a six week class and you're done. Poof poof poof. You think you know what you're saying? One other thing I like to say about the Tanya is that although there's a general buildup over 53 chapters, every single time we learn something, there's there's gems in each section. In other words, you don't have to finish the whole book to gain extra meaning and spirituality in your life. Every single part of the Tanya uh, can give you meaning. And in fact, that's one of the other great things about this translation. He actually has, throughout the book, he has sometimes puts little, little uh, sidebars, the practical lessons but you can learn from this little section. And so that's another thing we're going to focus on. Obviously, we're only meeting once a week. How fast are we going to finish? I don't know. Um, but every single time we study, there's something that's enhancing our lives. And the most important thing is to have discussion, discussion about all these things. Now, I know I've been rambling on. Hopefully, you haven't all gotten bored. Um, so if you have any questions or comments or you want to let me know what you think, that's really um, or if you've had a previous experience with Tanya and you found it complicated, let me know. Um, I, I want to make this uh, as interactive as possible. So that's really what it's about. 
because Tanya is not an intellectual study. It's a study of ourselves, a study of ourselves we need to discuss and we need to talk and we need to uh, talk it over. So uh, any comments or questions? No? I know, I, I feel like I rambled on too much of it here. Okay. Um, no, you did great. We, you did okay. great. Yeah. All right, thank you. Um, one other thing I like to point out is that a lot of times people confuse Hasidic philosophy for Kabbalah. Kabbalah and Hasidic philosophy is not one and the same. Although Hasidic philosophy uses the terminology of Kabbalah, Kabbalah remains in the spiritual sphere. Kabbalah discusses very much the uh, spiritual meaning of everything, whereas Hasidic philosophy creates a synthesis throughout all the layers of life and all the layers of the Torah. So that's just one simple and major difference. That's Kabbalah deals exclusively with the mysticism and uh, Hasidic philosophy has a synthesis and a running theme that, that, that runs start from through the Kabbalah and all the way down to our practical day-to-day -day life. So although you'll see a lot of mysticism, don't ever confuse, we're not studying straight Kabbalah. If anybody has ever read straight text of Kabbalah, you'll understand how this is not Kabbalah. Um, Kabbalah, as, as some people call it. Okay. Uh, yes, Larry. No, you had a, you had a thought? No? We, we never had a course on Kabbalah. You never had a course on Kabbalah. Well, I will say the next JLI course starting in uh, fall, in the winter, right? We're in fall, I guess, kind of. The next JLI course is actually called Booksmart. Where we're going, you want to get the door? Again, which is going to go um, through the different sections. Uh, sorry, we're going to we're going to go through all the different Jewish books that there are, and we're going to sample text of all the different major Jewish books. So hopefully, in that course, I didn't look at the actual course content, but hopefully, in that course, um, you will gain an understanding of all these different books. Okay. We have uh, somebody here for the in-person class. Okay, another another person. And if you come in person, you get some cookies. So there's there's something to be said for that. Um, you made it. Okay, you made it. Okay. I I saw you. You're, you're online. That's okay. I saw you uh, pulling out of the parking lot. I thought you were coming back. You thought I was coming back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You might want to come sit next to Larry because he has a he has a Tanya book with him. Good, because I don't know what it is. And... Yeah, okay. Well, it's good. You just missed the introduction to what the Tanya is. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we recorded, so you can listen to the introduction after it's done. Um, an interesting thing about the Tanya, and we're going to skip these, but it, it actually starts, the Tanya starts with the uh, approbations by different rabbis. But the main reason they wrote their approbation was so that um i have cookie to try but i have cookies oh too. you have a cookie oh okay all right so that's why you didn't need to come okay i see it has approbations on from different rabbis but more importantly the rabbi's approbations include stern warnings not to uh rip off the copies and and print them unauthorized so as not to hurt the business of the printer so we see pirating was going on even back then it's nothing okay. nothing new okay so, um, okay, um, for today, I'm going to have to uh, take a, a picture of the text. But again, I really, really um, highly advise that you get a copy of this. I think you can even get it on Kindle if you want. You can get the Practical Tanya on Kindle. You could do that, but um, I, it's cheaper. But I, I always like um, to have the real thing. So let me see what page we're going to start on. We're not starting on Am I Good or Bad, Chapter One. Uh, we could start with Chapter One. There is just a little bit in the introduction he has in the book um, that I wanted to look at. Um, so, Adam, so you you uh, you don't know what the Tanya is, but you decided to come. Yeah, I uh, yeah, multiple. Did reasons. I did I did I sell it well enough? <laughs> I came for multiple reasons. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wanted to take care of the you need a spiritual mentor, so I guess the Hanukkah candles showed up. Rabbi <laughs> oh, because it says in here you need a spiritual mentor, right? We need a spirit. You're the spiritual mentor for this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
That's true. Um, okay, so we're yeah, we're gonna start right from the beginning. I have um, there is one page here that's important. Actually, that's all the way. So when you get this, you can look at it. It's on page the author's title page. It's called the author's title page. And this is actually really important to see. Uh, I'm going to take a picture and share this. So it's called the author's title page because this really lays down the groundwork of what is going on. Okay. Where, where, where is that? So it's on page two. If you have the book, it's on page two. And um, I could share it for everybody on the Zoom if, you, if you'd like that. Um, so let me share that over here. Again, hopefully most times I'm not going to be sharing text. Uh, I really highly advise getting your own book and that way you can look at stuff afterwards. And uh, if you really, really buy the book and you don't like the class, you don't like Tanya, it's okay. I'll buy it off you. Somebody else will use it. <laughs> Money back guarantee, okay? Uh, you know, even if you don't like the class, you can learn it yourself. Um, and again, I really don't want this to be a class. I want this to be a discussion. Um, so let me share this over here. Copy and paste. Chat, 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 chat. Okay, there. So this is important. This is in the beginning. So most books have like, uh, you ever like buy a book and like on the front page, there's like uh, uh, the weather goes, the sun rises and the sun sets and so goes the blah. You know, like their their opening statement, right? It's like it's like not even the introduction of the book. It's like the opening page. So the Tanya has the same thing. And I'm skipping to the second page because this is the important thing. First, beginning of the introduction, he just says that who he's basing his works on. But then if you look over here, and I shared in the photos, you look on, there's two pages there. But if you look at um, the first page, which is page two, oh, towards the bottom where it says, basically the paragraph right before the bottom um so you see that over here yeah towards the bottom where it says part one so he he writes like this part one of this book is based on the verse for this body of commandments which i'm commanding you today is not beyond you nor is it far away from you rather the thing is very much within the reach of you in your mouth and in your heart so that you may do it so this is from deuteronomy so Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, 30, 14, right? Yeah. Uh, let me pull it up here just uh, from Chabad oh, Ark. So you, so you get the context. Who is that? Who is it again? So Deuteronomy is Moses giving his, so to speak, sermon to the Jewish people. Okay. Kind what? Of, what? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, they're, they're a younger generation. And so he's telling the story of how they got there. Before he oh, so he's, Deuteronomy is a person. No, Deuteronomy means repetition. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's like you're... So just to give you context, what we're talking about. So Moses is giving a sermon to the Jewish people, and that, throughout his sermon, he's he's warning the people about all the issues that can happen if they don't um, if they don't listen. And he says, but when you listen, uh, you know, then you'll get all the blessings that God will give you. And then he says something interesting. He says, we're going to read from verse 11. For this commandment, that I com which I command you today, this is what we just read, is not concealed from you, nor is it far away. He's saying, you know, the, only, the point is, don't think it's too hard. Why? And then he continues. It's not in heaven. They used to say, who will go up to heaven and fetch it for us to tell it to us so that we can fulfill it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the other side of the sea for us and fetch it to us to tell it to us so that we can fulfill it. And then he continues, rather this thing is very close to you and is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can fulfill it. So he's saying this mitzvah is very near and very easy for you to do. Now, well, he wasn't talking about the Tanya. The Tanya wasn't even written. No, this is in the Torah. The Torah is saying, Moses is saying, the mitzvah that I command you is very easy for you to do. What, which one was the commandment? So the question is, the commentary is asking, what mitzvah is he referring to you and which mitzvah is very easy, okay? How many how many of the mitzvahs are very easy? There are a couple easy mitzvahs. Eating shalom and Shabbos is one of them. But uh, many of the mitzvahs are very hard, okay? Oh, that's how chillant. I don't even know that that's a And it's obviously not the chalant mitzvah because it says in the verse, Beficha in your mouth, and in your heart. If it was chalant, it would say in your mouth and in your stomach. Okay, 
So what mitzvah is easy in your mouth and in your stomach? Wine. Huh? Wine. Alcohol. Huh? Wine. So the, 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 the wine, it's a ghost to your heart. So the general idea is that uh, so the, all different commentaries deal with what mitzvahs are referring to. Some say it's referring to the mitzvah of teshuva, repentance. Um, but regardless, uh, the Alter Rebbe views this verse as referring to um, it's within reach to serve God in your mouth and in your heart. And heart meaning feelings towards God. Uh, and then la soso action. So again, it says beficha in your mouth. So that's speech. Bilvavcha your heart, your feelings. La soto to do it. So that's all the commandments: speech, feelings, actions. And so the Torah is telling you that doing mitzvot in your heart, in your mouth, right. with your hands is easy. Now, how many people find it easy? <laughs> or now I should clarify: the Torah doesn't say that it's easy. Because it's a mistranslation. What does the Torah actually say? We just read it here. It's you can do reach. it. You can do it. It's it's rather this thing is very much within reach. Karov, it's near. Near is not the same as easy, right? Near is not always the same thing as easy. In other words, it's within reach. Karov, it's within reach. Now, but we all suffer in life. From trying to serve God, and it doesn't always feel within reach, right? And so this is what the Tanya is going to explain. How is it actually within our reach to serve God properly? And let's continue reading on the top of the page three. The Tanya will not directly comment on this verse until chapter 17. Up to that point, the book will be teaching you core knowledge that you need to discern about what is within reach and what isn't. You are going to learn the anatomy and the physiology of your soul and gain a profound understanding of the soul-body conflict. Now let's continue. To clarify well how authentic worship is very much within reach in a long but short way with the help of God may he be blessed. So long but short way. What is a long but short way? So let's read on. He'll tell us. The Tanya's reference here is to a story in the Talmud. Rabbi Yehoshua said, once I was walking along the path and I saw a child sitting in the crossroads. I asked him, which path will lead me to the city? He said, one path is short but long and one path is long but short. I took the short but long one. Once I arrived at the city, I found passengers blocked off by meandering gardens and orchards. I turned back and said to the child, my son, didn't you describe this path as short? He replied, didn't I also say it was long? A short but long path is one that makes you feel as if you're making quick progress but fails to get you to the final destination. A long but short path takes more time and effort to follow, but it gets you to where you want to go. The Tanya is your long but short path to worshiping God. It's not a quick fix, and there's no instant magic. You're going to have to do real spiritual work, but if you're willing to do that, you can begin to worship God authentically and be on the path to fulfilling your mission in life. In other words, just to give a couple examples, the rabbit and the hare. Now, now it's not a great example because the rabbit didn't actually have any obstacles aside from laziness. Um, sorry, the, the hare and the turtle, that is, right? The turtle, right? The race between the hare and the turtle. Right. The turtle, though, the point is the turtle. If, if you just walk... And you just keep going, you're going to make it. Same thing for those who follow Dave Ramsey, right? He's like, he like hates all these, you know, quick get rich fixes. You know, all these kids right. say, well, if only I get millions of views on my YouTube channel, I'll be very rich, right? It's not, that's, the, that's called a short, long way. Yeah, it's very short. You make the YouTube videos, but it's a long shot that your YouTube video is actually going to make you millions of dollars, right? What's better is getting a normal job, putting aside money, letting it build up, and you retire when you're 65 and you know, Dave Ramsey method, so to speak. It's called the long short way. It's long, but it's it's pretty much obviously nothing in life is guaranteed. But it's pretty much guaranteed. In other words, you follow the principles, you follow the 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 established principles, and it'll almost always work for you. Right. Um, however, today in life we know everybody's looking for the quick fix, right? Um, anybody who's ever done any, you know coaching or therapy or speaking to their rabbi or whatever you know you're always hoping for like that one answer that's gonna answer all your problems right uh, but usually anything is requires daily steady work and what the tanya is promising you over here is that if you want to serve god it is near in the sense that it's within reach in other words if you follow the prescription um you will get there okay thank you thank you i'll send you the uh the recording okay um, if you follow the prescription of the Tanya, you will be able to serve God. 
but you have to want to work, right? And so you have, we have today all these um, kids, all these young, young, young people, sometimes older, but a lot of young millennials, people like me, who complain why they're not rich yet and they don't want to put in the work, right? And so the point is that um, if you put in the work, it's going to work. That's really what the Alter Rebbe is saying. And the whole purpose of the Tanya is to bring us, to show us that if you follow these principles, you will be able to serve God. Any questions or comments? No? So, sounds good, right? It's a, it's a steep promise, right? Yeah, it's a promise, absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, not, it's a promise. You got to read 53 chapters now. So yeah. it's, definitely, it's definitely not the short, long way. It's, it's definitely the, the long, short way, you know? Um, now, let's give some... Now, that being said, none of the Al-Turabi says that. Let's give some uh, temperament to us. I hate to break the news to you, but most of us around here are not going to fully do the work that's required for the long, short way, right? Most of us are not going to... Um, most of us here are probably never going to reach that final goal of where we're serving God at every asset of our lives, at, at every, uh, not asset, at every uh, facet of our lives. Um, and so you might say, but, so why bother? Huh? Well, that's a whole other story, which we'll get to as well. The, the Alter Rebbe, first of all, in his Tanya, first of all, brings the bar lower. He says, your goal is much lower than you think. Your goal is not to be a tzaddik. And we'll, we'll get to there as well. So don't ever think you have to be um, the perfect human being. You don't have to be a Moses. So he'll bring the bar down. But even the bar that the Alter Rebbe brings um, is lofty for those of us who maybe sometimes like to waste our time. Um, not myself, God forbid, ever would I waste time. But um, it, it could happen to some people. And so for any of us who sometimes uh, are not going to... I'm not going to mention hockey, right? Okay, no. But... Uh, <laughs> um, you know, which is about it's exercise. It's not a waste of time. Um, I shouldn't talk because my, my treadmill is currently a, a clothes hanger. So I got to gotta do my exercise, uh, which is, by the way, doing exercise is part of serving God. You should know. But what, why? Why is that? You doing body? exercise because your body is the tool with which you serve God. And so you have to take care of it. So the same you, way, the same way you sweep the floors in the synagogue, you exercise your body. There's no difference. So I, so. There's nothing wrong with exercising Saturday. Nothing wrong with exercise. Saturday now, morning. worship Saturday morning. No, there is something wrong with with exercising Saturday morning. Yes, uh, <laughs> all all in the right time. That's like saying well, we're going to mop the synagogue Saturday morning. Well, I understand no. that, but I mean, exercising is serving God. Exercising is serving God. So is sleeping. By the way, it's mm. taking care of your body, but all in the proper time. Everything, everything in its proper time. Yeah. Right. Right, everything in its proper time. Okay, so the so what we want to temper expectation, and and the temperament means like this: we have to decide that um, even if we're never going to live up fully to the Tanya's hope for us, um, even incorporating some of it into our lives uh, will greatly enhance our lives. So walking the synagogue on Shabbat would be an acceptable exercise in Shabbat. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. You can you can walk the synagogue. Um, there's a uh, you can even possibly run the synagogue if you don't break us um, if you really need to, but you can't run away from synagogue. You can only it's a one way one way run. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I want to temper that the Tanya's lessons are uh, powerful and they can enhance our lives. Uh, when we decide to live it. And so even if you're not going to fully live it, um, some is better than none, right? Like somebody else was who said they could only come up for half an hour. You know, 30 minutes of Tanya is better than no minutes of Tanya. And so that's always just an important reminder. We always have to remember ourselves. And throughout the Tanya, we'll, we will develop a little bit more how we can be successful even in the Tanya's uh, uh, assessment of ourselves. And we always have to remember that God is not stupid. I always like to point this out. God is not stupid. He knows who we are. And you think he doesn't know our weaknesses and you think uh, he doesn't know we're not going to live the perfect life. You know, he, he wants us to do the best, you know, keep getting better. Anyways, so without further ado, we're going to start off with the beginning of the Tanya. 
now that we have decided, what are we studying? We're studying the Tanya, which is the, so, so let's recap. We're studying the Tanya, which is the Chabad Hasidic philosophy and psychology, uh, which teaches us how to live a greater Jewish life. And ultimately, as he says, to show us the close path to serving God in our heart, in our soul, and in our mind. Um, and in order to set the stage, the first section of the Tanya has to teach us who we are. Because as we're going to learn, serving God is not just a list of actions. And we will explain why, but serving God is not just a list of actions. And if serving God is more than just action, but there's something internal, then we have to first discuss our internal state. And so we're going to discuss Hasidic psychology. We're going to discuss who we are. And in order to set that stage, we have to discuss terminology. Terminology is everything, um, right? So we're going to, without further ado, I'm going to put up the beginning. Huh? Yeah, context. Terminology is everything. And so let me get the uh, let me get the uh, new pages of the time that I'm going to share with you. We're, we're just going to get our feet wet today, and of course we're we're already running out of time. Um, any any questions or comments, by the way, before I move on? And, and I'm sorry if I'm not too clear today because I didn't have no, no, I much, have a story that much time to prepare for this. Where I I relate to what you're talking about. Uh, in what way? Well, that's about me. I didn't want to bring that in. Well, you could say it in a more general way so well, somebody identifies it with you. So so what you were saying earlier was um, it, it, it really is about the journey. I, I took a leadership course where the promise was if you do these things, you will be a leader. Mm -hmm. And at the end of seven months, I didn't get promoted. <laughs> right? Yeah. But the journey was really where the the fulfillment was. Okay. Mm -hmm. And who I got to be at the end of that journey was I got to know myself. I, I, I found that, you know, what causes me to not have that leadership? I procrastinate. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't like certain things about myself and those things got in the way. But mm -hmm. now that I recognized it, I'm a better person. And that's a, that's a great example. So in in essence, do another seven months. <laughs> so in in essence, what you're saying is that um, although you um, didn't become a leader, but some of the promises were fulfilled. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let us um, let us take a look at some text here, and I, I share it again this time. Maybe I'll share the screen. Those who are on, oh, I shared the wrong one. Sorry about that. Um, all right, let's try this one. Okay, so um, let us uh, start off over here and we're gonna start on page 27 if you're using the book, but I, I suppose most of you don't have the book yet. And this time I'm going to share the screen yeah, to show the yeah. text. You see it? Okay. So let me zoom in over here. So this is the beginning of the Tanya. And again, the Tanya, again, um, has to place some certain terminology. And the first question the Tanya has to discuss is, well, you know what? Let's read here because he does a great job at describing it. So instead of me telling you, let's read what he says here. In his author's introduction, Rabbi Schneir Zelman revealed that the Tanya contains responses offered by me to many requests for advice, posed constantly by all the members of our community in this country, each one at his own level, to seek advice for his souls. And I explained that in my introduction today in the worship of God. While Rabbi Schneir Zalman did not record in the Tanya the requests for advice which were posed to him, from the responses offered through the book, we can deduce the types of questions he was probably asked. If we were to reconstruct the request for advice the author addresses here at the opening of the book, it might read as follows. Rebbe, however hard I try to connect to God, I feel like a failure. I want to come close to God, but even when I succeed in religious practice, my inner demons still bother me. I have peak moments when I feel close to God, but they are not sustainable. What should I do? Will I ever succeed? So I assume some it's of you have felt that, right? Yeah, you ever had that? Yeah. You're in the synagogue on Yom Kippur. Or maybe the rabbi told a joke that inspired you. 
Okay, no, no, probably not. But do something where you feel bad about. Yeah, it. yeah, or or you right, or it could be a negative thing that 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 prompts you to feel like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, when am I going to get close to God? And but you're wondering about your seesaw, you know, when are you ever going to live your life with your peak moments, mm -hmm. you know? So to address this concern, Natanya will offer us a meticulously structured guide to inner light. We will learn how consciousness is multi-layered and is influenced by a variety of different spiritual and physical forces. We will discover how our emotions function, as well as how our minds deduce and process information. And we will address fundamental questions of identity. Who am I? What do I want? After completing this initial discussion, we will have a powerful set of tools to manage self-awareness. We will know what we are capable of spiritually and what is beyond our reach. We will be aware of our mental and emotional limitations, but we will continue to challenge them daily, implementing a realistic and effective method. Now, you may say, well, Rabbi, why don't I just read a psychology book? So I think just like everything else in life, when we frame life and psychology as well through the frame of Torah, then we understand life better. Um, just giving a life example, not specifically about psychology, but just life example. Um, when we um, suffer misfortune, let's say in life, um, so, you know, some people in the world who are not religious might say, well, it's a doggy dog world, you know, or there's nobody that cares about anything, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, or somebody might say, well, it's these decisions that you made that made the problem. Now, even if it's true that it's decisions that you made that made the problem, because we have the Jewish understanding of life that everything is orchestrated by God, even when I made bad decisions and bad things happen, I don't feel so lost because I know through my Jewish paradigm that whatever situation I'm in is, is where God wanted me to be, even if I made bad decisions. So I never feel lost. So again, you still learn from your mistakes and you'll still go to business guru and not make those same mistakes. But at the same time, because you've studied Jewish philosophy, you understand that whatever situation you're in is godly ordained, you don't feel as lost as if you, you wouldn't have that. So the same thing over here. Psychology may add certain psychological layers to our emotional state. So you may say, why am I going to discuss the Tanya's understanding of the emotional state? Again, you, you could frame your worldly knowledge through your godly knowledge. And hopefully you'll come to appreciate that as we read the Tanya. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a, a rabbi giving a class on, you know, you know, how we balance, you know, what are we teaching people versus what they can learn in therapy or whatnot, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes. And he said, you know, what we teach only enhances people's therapy. You know, for example, a therapist will never teach anybody about God if they don't bring it up. But if somebody believes in God, the therapist for sure, you know, if they're worth their salt, will channel that person's emotions through their understanding of God, right? And so having the spiritual understanding enhances our lives in so many ways, even when you still need to deal with your emotions on, you know, very human levels and through psychology and whatnot. So that's just a very important uh, point I wanted to put out here because you might be reading the time is going to teach us emotions and, and uh, psychology, yada, yada. It's not... Uh, the typical psychology course you're going to read in, in school. And so Jewish understanding, once you frame it, in the, and once you have it framed in those ideas, uh, then you have to bring your worldly knowledge in and, and, and yeah, you figure that out. Mixed both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Judaism is not uh, um, separate from the world. Um, it's a very Actually, integrated life. A lot of the world is based on the giant Judaic teaching, yeah. Yeah, Judaic teaching, for sure. Okay, now here comes the warning as he puts in the paragraph here. Last paragraph before the bottom of the page, or second paragraph before the bottom of the page. In classic rabbinical style, Natanya will frame this, this discussion of self-awareness. I'm going to end five minutes, so I'm going to end 12.55 to allow people to take it at one o'clock and also open it up for questions then. So we'll go five more minutes. In classic rabbinical style, Natanya will frame this discussion of self-awareness with a series of questions on selected quotes from the Talmud. These questions will be posed here at the outset of the chapter. And after delving into the inner working of the human consciousness, the answers will be revealed in chapter 13 and 14. So again, the point of the Tanya, as I said in my introduction, don't focus on the questions and the answers. And, um, you know, that was more for the scholar, but 
we, we will pull out of this what we need. And so don't hold on to this question for 13 weeks and say, well, what is the answer? But just bringing these texts alone will bring us to think something interesting. So let's take a look. Let's read these texts. So the rabbis taught at the end of chapter three of Tractate Nida of the Talmud that before a, now we're gonna have to go to the next page. So I'm gonna flip over here that before a, uh, 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 that before a child is born, his or her soul is made to swear an oath. Be a righteous tzaddik, be a righteous person, tzaddik, and do not be a wicked person, also known as rasha. And even if the entire world tells you you are righteous, you should consider yourself like a wicked person. <laughs> so let's let's gather that in. So before you're born, um, they make you swear you're going to be righteous. In other words, we're sending you to the world, do a good job. But make sure when you get there, don't ever look at yourself as righteous. Consider yourself as wicked. So this is like a, a catch-22. If I live up... To, so what, what does it mean? So I'm supposed to try to be a tzaddik, be righteous, but I should never look at myself as tzaddik. Now, what's the problem with that? That could lead to depression. How many people want to look at themselves as bad people? A rasha, a wicked person is bad. In other words, we're not... We're not saying look at yourself as not the best. We're saying Yetzirah evil inclination, but we haven't discussed that. We're discussing Russia now. Russia means wicked. Like I thought that was what the Yetzirah. No, no, we'll get to the Yetzirah. So the problem is that considering yourself as a wicked person um, is not only, as he'll explain in a moment, uh, not a sound advice for um, successfully doing your job of living a righteous life. But it's also um, contradictory to another mission, as he points out here. Some clarification is needed because doesn't the mission say the precise opposite? Don't consider yourself to be a wicked person. And as he continues, practically speaking, there's an obvious reason why the advice of Tractate Nida that you should consider yourself like a wicked person might be counterproductive. As he continues, and also if you consider yourself like a wicked person, as Tractate Nida suggests, you become downhearted and depressed. You won't be able to worship God joyfully and positively. You know, a lot of times actually people view themselves negatively to get themselves out of doing good things, right? You say, well, I'm a bad person anyways, so I don't have to do it, right? Happens all the time. I ask someone, huh? Justify. Justify, right? Rationally. We have to rationalize ourselves. All the time, I ask somebody, would you like to put on tefillin? And he says, no, I'm a bad Jew. <laughs> I didn't ask you if you're a bad Jew. I asked if you want to put on tefillin, right? It's like, do you want a cookie? No, I'm hungry. Well, so eat a cookie. You won't be so hungry. Well, it's not going to make me full. Well, somebody eat one cookie. What's a big deal, right? So somebody says they're a bad Jew. It's a justification. So, so what? You're a bad Jew. So you, you can do one mitzvah, right? So um, the question here is, what does it mean that we should always look at ourselves as wicked? But if, on the other hand, you don't become sad at all from this wickedness of yours, you could be flippant about your moral religious responsibilities, God forbid. This question will be fully answered much later in chapter 31. I want to point out, so here you have a discussion, which is not going to be answered until much later. And this is just a great example of where even in the Tanya, little ideas, little snippets give us meaning in general life. We just learned two important things right now. Number one, we learned that don't ever just consider yourself bad because that is just justification for not doing good things. So that's lesson number one we just learned, reading this text, even though we're not, we haven't even dealt to the point that he's trying to bring out from it, but that's number one, is stop walking around saying, I'm a bad person, I'm a bad Jew, I can't do it, because that's not going to get you where you need to go. And uh, second of all, uh, another important point he said, second of all, he says, and if you do view yourself as bad and it doesn't bother you, that's some, in some ways even worse. In other words, um, we shouldn't become desensitized. That's a big problem that happens with sin. Sin can desensitize us. When we do the same wrong thing over and over again, we can become desensitized. And so one of the biggest pushes in life is to, when you do something wrong, remember that it's wrong. And uh, that will hopefully push you to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so those are two lessons that we pick up today. Now, why is he bringing in these texts? And we're not gonna have time because we're at the end. But all he's trying to do with these texts, really, and so this will hopefully give you understanding of why it's important to bring these, 
is he's being a disruptor. He's being a disruptor. In other words, the classical definition of tzaddik in Russia, that's what he's going to try and bring out. The classical definition of tzaddik in Russia. What do we classically define a tzaddik as? We classically define a tzaddik as somebody who's super righteous. Let's say Rabbi Adler. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, a really good person. Oh, you're a tzaddik. People throw out the word tzaddik all the time. Okay. Right? People throw out the word tzaddik. He's, I don't know, maybe your mother called you a tzaddik. A lot of Jews, your mother called him a tzaddik. Oh, my, my son, no. he's a tzaddik. Well, no, well, maybe, I don't know. Well, you, I understand, but no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, conversely, the word Russia, wicked, sounds like the worst of the worst. What, is, that, is that Yiddish? Russia? No, they're both Hebrew. So the classical definition of Russia usually means the worst of the worst, and the time is going to be a disruptor. Both are general understanding of the word tzaddik and a general understanding of the word Russia. We have to redefine it. And once you redefine it, then these texts will make sense. That's really the point of bringing these texts. So you don't have to know so much the answer. We'll get the answer later. It doesn't make a difference. The point is the classic way of defining tzaddik in Russia is uh, not the way you think of it. Mm -hmm. So an ending for today is uh, simply like this. Um, as he points out in the practical lesson of uh, this page over here, he says... I'm going to have to leave... It's on, um, well, he prints it here. So this is the practical lesson we can walk away with. Today. So again, we're going to have to define what righteous and wicked is because that's going to help us in our journey of understanding who we are in our, in our, in our journey. Uh, we'll get to that next week, but let's yeah. walk away with a practical lesson for today. It says, for the majority of us who are less than perfect, but not terribly wicked, the question of self-image is a challenging one. Where is that? So that? If we are willing, it's on page 29. If we are willing to face the harsh reality of our imperfections, we may become depressed. If we try to ignore them, we could become indifferent and so that's really the tanya's written for us Th this discussion we just had is an encapsulation of what bothers so many of us the majority of us who are less than perfect but not terribly wicked our self-image is a big question to us who are we are we bad are we good is there hope for us what they're saying and and our self-image can affect how we act and so that's why we have to be very careful not so the tanya is going to describe this what our self-image should be yes what they're saying is don't think negatively, no matter what. Don't think negatively. Yeah. And later in the Tanya, he will talk about it. Right. Negative, negativity. He will define when negativity is good. But on a whole, negativity doesn't ever lead to something good. Right. Now, there's a difference between negativity and knowing that something is wrong. That's why he said. Yeah. Well, we know that. Yeah. When something's wrong, you should know it's wrong. That was the other point he made. Right. It's wrong, it's wrong. Right. But yeah, negativity is not a great. Um... So that's the uh, lesson for today. Uh, sorry, it kind of ends on a, a part of a cliffhanger. Stop the recording.